1: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Ilya Margulis from BDO First Call Debt Solutions will join us back this time for a look at rising interest rates and how to make necessary adjustments to your financial plans because they aren't going to go down anytime soon. Later in our second hour, John Carlson will have a fresh update of Vancouver real estate. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Loblaw Companies Limited, is recalling certain no-name brand chicken nuggets due to possible salmonella contamination. The nuggets were sold in 907-gram packages and should be thrown out or returned to the store where they were purchased. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says there's been at least one reported illness associated with the product. One other case may be related as well. Symptoms of salmonella poisoning include fever, headache, vomiting, nausea, abdominal cramps and diarrhea, long-term complications can also include severe arthritis. There's more on this, by the way, at our website. The B.C. government announced this week it won't be approving any ride-hailing services in our province for over a year. There may be legislation this fall to allow such services, but no company will apply for a full year. The transportation minister says the government will look into removing municipal boundaries for taxis, as well as increasing the number of cabs on the road by 15% and also allowing some discounts on taxi trips ordered by smartphone apps. This is all part of modernizing our taxi industry and providing better supply, says the government, but there will not be any modern, newfangled road-hailing services for at least another year. We used to think the taxi lobby had both municipal and provincial parties in their back pockets due to their generous donation and block vote voting strategies over the years, but it likely comes as a surprise to many NDP supporters that their guys are, well, just the same as the others. The government's new report says it's all about supply, but then refuses to look at other options which will guarantee an immediate increase in supply. So, for yet another year, Vancouver remains the only major city in North America without any ride-hailing service at all. How progressive. A new study from the Angus Reid people shows nearly one-third of Canadians feel very stressed about money either often or all the time. The study was an investigation into poverty in Canada and dove deeper into personal experiences rather than just looking at incomes. Turns out we're all members of one of the four following groups. The struggling about 16% of us those on the edge 11%, those who are recently comfortable, 36%, and those who are always comfortable, 37%. One number that stands out uh, in this latest survey is 27%, and that, over a quarter of us, represents people who are experiencing financial hardship Today. This pops up in being unable to pay rent on time, or having to forego dental treatments, or not having the loot to buy good quality groceries and having to settle for the cheap stuff instead. Families with children end up not being able to participate in music or sports activities simply due to cost. So, why so much desperation? Three main reasons, according to the Angus Reed people. Debts, cost of living, and the cost of raising a family. I suspect our first guest, Ilya Margulis, will have a lot more to say about this new Angus Reid survey in a few minutes. Kids of all ages will have to wait longer for the expansion and transformation of Playland into a theme park. You may recall a couple of years ago, the PNE unveiled a huge $120 million plan to revitalize the park over 10 years and to expand its footprint from 15 to 22 acres. And they accomplished that by taking over space currently used by Hastings Racecourse, barns and parking facilities on the northeast corner of Hastings Park. And at the time of the approval of the process for the design, city councilors were highly in support of the expansion and said we need this project in order to retain Playland's relevance. Once fully approved, the project will be built in two overlapping phases with years one to five focused on renovating the existing photo Playland and years three to ten on the seven acre expansion. Attendance has dropped over the years from the aging and dated rides and attractions. The construction cost will initially be funded by the municipal government, and then the PNE will pay back the city through the new revenues generated by the expanded Playland, which, by the way, is open seven days a week right now until the PNE starts on August 18th. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at some more later in the show. Coming up next, Ilya Margulis from BDO first debt first call rather debt solutions here in Vancouver will join us again he's back to talk interest rates and to take your calls on well debt solutions this is Vancouver consumer you're listening to CKNW Welcome back to the program on this, well, nice Saturday afternoon. It's not 100% sunny, and that's okay, too, because it'd be 35 degrees if it was. It's it's warm, and that's okay. Sterling Fox with you, joined in studio. It's a pleasure to welcome back, actually, Ilya Margulis, who is a vice president and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions here in Vancouver. Welcome back, Ilya. Good to see you
2: again. Thanks very much, Sterling. Very happy to be here. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about uh, our firm again, Uh BDO First Call Debt Solutions is really one of Canada's largest debt solutions firms. And we really do believe that debt affects everybody uh, in every way possible, both personally and professionally. And that's why when somebody comes in to see us, we really do want to make sure that we get a really strong relationship and that we are understanding where they're coming from. Uh, We're never judgmental of the people that come in to see us, and we're there just to help build a solution and give them the information they need. To deal with the problems they're having,
1: right? And and uh, I appreciate that uh, that explanation, or at least partial explanation, of what BDO First Call is all about. And of course, we'll expand on that. And the, and the, the subject of our conversation, or at least the reason you're back with us today, is this interest rate stuff. Now, the finance minister and the central bank, actually, the finance minister had probably some input into it, but it's not his job to control interest rates. So the governor of the Bank of Canada, Stephen Poloz, raised interest rates so we could go when. Day And it's likely, we were just talking about this before the show, it's likely when they get their next chance in October that they're going to do it all over again, Ilya, because the Americans are raising their rates. And to keep our dollar even competitive,
2: we have to follow suit pretty much every time they do, right? That's exactly right. And those people that are carrying lines of credit, carrying home equity lines of credit as well, are going to be really impacted by this uh, we find that a lot of people these days are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And even a small increase in the interest rates has an impact. If you're already accounting for every penny that you've got coming in, an extra 20, 30, $50 a month in interest, that just hurts. That's right. And especially if it's across the board, because chances are you're paying interest
1: on more than one item in your life. You might have a credit card, you might have a a home equity line of credit, and the list does go on rather quickly. And all of those rates are affected, aren't
2: they? That's right. You know, the average person in Vancouver is carrying just under $39,000 of debt, non-mortgage debt, that is, at any given time. That's a lot of money that somebody owes. And a lot of that is going to be tied to the interest rates. Uh, And those interest rates do fluctuate. Exactly. Now I wanted to get your comments on
1: this story that I did just a few minutes ago. This new survey from the Angus Reid people. Uh, it was that uh, they were doing an investigation into poverty and and our standard of living in Canada and so on. And I talked about the four groups that uh, we essentially all become divided into, were either members of the struggling, those on the edge, those who are recently comfortable and those who are always comfortable. So uh, and it turns out that uh, 27% of everyone surveyed uh, over a quarter of Canadians responding to the survey, and this is quite fresh, Ilya. uh, These are people who are experiencing financial hardship today. Now, you're in the the debt resolution and solution business, so this is absolutely no surprise to you whatsoever, I'm sure.
2: It's not. We've got people coming in all the time uh, simply telling us that they can't make ends meet, and the truth is, when we're already living paycheck to paycheck, when Anything happens in our lives, whether it's an illness, uh, job loss, uh, divorce, uh, you know, uh, anything you can possibly think of, mm. even a car breaking down, suddenly we're stuck. What do we do? Now we're in further in debt, and the only way you're going to do that is uh, pay more interest. Right.
1: Or as as we struggle to manage with these shortfalls, these these emergencies, uh, uh, and something happens and you need new breaks or you're, you miss a week's work or whatever, and suddenly the cash flow just isn't there, well, then we, we resort to skipping the phone bill this month, and then we'll skip the electrical bill next month, and we'll skip the cable bill next month and sort of leapfrog these debts over each other so that all of those
2: creditors are somewhat satisfied, but none of the accounts are paid in full. Exactly. And, you know, all these things add up over time. Uh, We find a lot of people end up paying minimum payments on their credit cards, for example, uh, because they simply can't afford more. Right. But the biggest problem with that is the minimum payment isn't or it's just barely covering the interest on that credit card. You're not actually making any headway uh, towards reducing the actual debt that's there. We find people will come in and say, look, I've been making payments for years and my principal's been the same. You've probably paid the entire balance of that credit card over those years. But the, the original balance is still there. Well, what do you do? You've got to come up with a solution, and that's what we're there to help people do. Right Because the credit card lo- companies
1: absolutely love it when you make those minimum payments, because if you just as you just said, if you do nothing but make those pretty convenient, easy payments, low the, though they may be relative to the actual balance, then you, you could actually repay the, the, the entire debt load of the car, uh, the card rather, more than once. Uh, in, in, by the time you exhaust it and, and eventually get it down to zero using minimum payments only, couldn't you?
2: That's exactly it. Um, I'll give you a real life example. I had Perfect. a client come in uh, a while back and this person had a very large line of credit uh, of nearly $100,000. She had been making payments in this account uh, every single month for at least a decade. Over that amount of time, she's paid a lot more than the hundred thousand dollars that the original balance was there, and yet the balance is still hundred thousand dollars. Wow! How do you deal with that? Yeah, uh, you know, we talked to her and talked her through a few solutions, and uh, it's hopefully set her on the right track. Okay, so what? 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 Just to, that's a really good example to give because
1: you know a lot of us Canadians are notoriously honourable people. We're pretty good. We try really hard to honour our debts. We aren't really happy about it, but we recognise the responsibility involved. So uh, if we just take that minimum payment route forever, addressing all of the obligations we have out there, we're going to be paying uh, forever too. So talk about the solutions you recommended to this person,
2: Ilya. That give, us, give us some of the idea of some of the options available to people. Generally, when somebody comes in to talk to us, the options we talk them through are, first of all, trying to pay uh, the debts on their own in the normal course. Okay. The reality is this person had no way of paying $100,000 uh, in full while the interest rates were continuing. Uh, then we talk about options like consolidating at a lower interest rate. Obviously, if this account's already a line of credit loan, you can't really consolidate that to a lower rate, so that wasn't an option. Okay. Uh, that left the formal options, and those are the ones that we deal with Uh, In this particular case, the right option uh, was a consumer proposal. What the consumer proposal allows somebody to do is make an offer to their creditors of something better than what they would receive in a bankruptcy, but uh, with a lot more of a flexible payment uh, over a period of up to five years, and knowing that whatever that payment was going to be, five years later, the debt is simply gone. in this particular case, we would be able to uh, have payments going in, let's just say for the sake of argument, there was about $1,000 a month in interest going in. Okay. Uh, in this particular case, uh, she, this person would be making payments of about $800 a month for 60 months, and knowing, eight times 60, I can't do that math in my head right mm-hmm. now, but whatever that total is, uh, at the end of the five years, the entire $100,000 debt was simply gone. Okay. Uh, And
1: so this perhaps is the least known uh, debt solution available to people with debt problems. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, especially in the case of the example you've just given us, Ilya, if a person owes $100,000 and they've been trying to pay it off for 10 years – unsuccessfully, um, then it's clear that it's never going to be accomplished using that method. So then uh, to a lot of people, that's still an awful lot of money, and they go, well, I guess I got to go bankrupt. I have no other option. And that's just not true.
2: That's exactly it. A bankruptcy really is sort of the solution of last resort, where uh, a proposal doesn't work out or is not the right option for somebody, and it's not for everybody. Uh, you ha- you do have to have a stable source of income, uh, one that you're going to be able to use over the next five years to make payments, or potentially someone else that's willing to step up on your behalf and make an offer. Uh, there are cases where someone's parent, for example, is willing to make an offer saying, all right, my child owes $20,000. Uh, if this offer is accepted, I'll make a payment of $10,000 into the... Uh, Proposal account immediately upon acceptance. Okay, if uh, that takes a lot of heat off instantly, doesn't it? Exactly. If this offer is not accepted, my child will declare bankruptcy, and you might get three thousand dollars out of it.
1: So, but a consumer proposal contains, and of course, you're a licensed insolvency trustee, and we'll tell people a little bit more about what what exactly that means. But you're one of a, a rare. Select group of Canadian professionals who deal under license by the federal government Mm -hmm. uh, with this these matters, and so uh, when when you've got that size of of debt involved, um, a a lot of people are convinced there's only that one option and it's just not true. But explain how this works because you're not going to pay back the $100,000 this woman owes. You're going to convince the people she owes money to to take a lower percentage of money and that means they're going to get something rather than bankruptcy which means either nothing or next to nothing,
2: right? That's right. So when somebody comes in and if we're looking at a consumer proposal, we sit down and do the math. Based on your current situation, this is exactly what we think your creditors would get if you filed a bankruptcy. Uh, We then take that number and divide that by 60 and say, okay, well, this is basically the minimum dollar figure you can offer in a proposal, uh, but what can you actually afford? The idea of a proposal is supposed to be uh, the person putting their best foot forward mm-hmm. and offering that to the creditors and saying, look, this is a really a better deal for you than me filing bankruptcy. We then submit that to the creditors uh, along with a report that we as a trustee have put together that says we've looked at this person's situation and we've evaluated it and we really do believe that this is a better op- option for you, creditor, so we recommend that you accept it. Okay. Now, the reason that opinion means something is as a licensed insolvency trustee, uh, we have to be independent in what we're doing. Right. So we are balancing the creditors' interests, we're balancing the, uh, the person that owes the money's interest, the debtor's interest, and we're making sure that the rules are followed. But because of that independent role, our opinion means something when we're putting that report together. Uh, so we submit that to the creditors and the creditors come back with a vote. They say yes. They say no, but we'll give you a counteroffer. Okay, that happens then? Uh, it does. Okay. Uh, so all we actually need for a proposal to pass is 50.1% in Dollar Valley. So if uh, somebody owes $20,000 in total, we need $10,001 worth of creditors voting yes. Ah. Uh, but at the end of the day, the vast majority of, credi- of proposals do pass, but probably about half of them take a little bit of negotiating in the middle. So So the initial solution or the initial offer isn't always necessarily the final offer. No, and that's not the end of the world. Right, okay. Uh, A creditor will come back and say, all right, well, you've offered me $200 a month for 60 months, $12,000. I'd like $400 a month for 60 months. We'll take a look at that and say, okay. We'll call the person that filed the proposal and say, all right, this is what the bank has asked for. Uh, What do you want to go with? What are you comfortable going with? What can you actually afford? Right. We'll take that back to the bank, and the bank will say, okay, we'll take this, or here's another counter. Split the difference. Instead of 200 or 400, how can we settle on 300? Exactly. This is what happens there. That's exactly what happens. And so the it's client becomes involved in the process. This is not done in the absence of the client no. either. We're the mediator in the middle. We're talking to the bank, uh, and we're talking to the client. So we're going back and forth, and we're finding a solution there.
1: Interesting stuff. Our guest is Ilya Margulis, back with us on Vancouver Consumer. Uh, Ilya is a vice president uh, and a licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions here in Vancouver. You can find them online at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. We're going to open up our phone lines during the news break. And if you'd like to jump in on the conversation or you have some questions for our guest, please join us. 604-280-9898. Again, 604 604-280-9- 280 9898 back with your calls and more on debt solutions after the news. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you joined in studio by Ilya Margulis who is a vice president and licensed insolvency trustee with BDO First Call Debt Solutions
2: here in Vancouver. Where's the office, Ilya? Where where do you hang your hat? Uh well, Sterling, we've got offices throughout the Lower Mainland and I actually uh, run around between them all, depending on what day of the week it is. Uh, we've got an office in downtown Vancouver, production way station in Burnaby, okay. uh, Guilford area of Surrey, uh, Langley near uh, Willowbrook Mall, uh, White Rock, Metrotown, Coquitlam. So we're literally everywhere, where, wherever our clients are. Wow, business is brisk, and that is both a good and a bad thing, I think, isn't it? <laughs> well. Uh, It just depends, I guess, on which side you're looking at it from. Exactly,
1: yeah. But I'm going back to this uh, Angus Reid poll uh, thing that we talked about earlier, Ilya, about uh, the, it was a dive into poverty in Canada, but they they wanted to talk about people's personal experiences and realities rather than just incomes. And so this, that's why we were able to get a little deeper. But uh, we find out, for example, that over a quarter of Canadians are experiencing financial hardship right now, today, this afternoon, it's. It's tough. It's stretched to the max. Oh,
2: you know, one of the most interesting statistics, as far as I'm concerned, is that as of right now, we've got $1.68 of debt for every dollar of income that we earn. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Uh, just recently, it was announced that this is a two-year low. I know. But it's not that uh, long ago that this was a record high. Uh, so, you know, it's an improvement. But we've still got a serious problem here. And you know, this time of year it's summer. Ninety percent of the people in uh, Canada, in a recent uh, TD poll, indicated that they were planning on taking a vacation. But forty-nine percent of those people have uh, not enough savings to take that trip, and about fourteen percent haven't saved a penny and are planning on putting that trip entirely on credit. Okay, uh, with increasing interest rates that means that it's gonna cost that much more by the time that debt has been paid off, especially if it takes a little bit of time to do that. Sure.
1: So the idea is and I guess of course and vacations are a good thing you just took a week off yourself you're just uh, just back at the office on Monday morning so exactly they're they're important to us all aren't they but they needn't set
2: us behind the eight ball either exactly it all comes down to planning for that vacation in advance and putting together a budget we need them otherwise it's really difficult to continue working on a regular basis right but it's all about setting a goal planning for it and putting a bit aside, a bit of uh, a excuse me, putting aside a bit of money over a period of time mm-hmm. to make it easier to afford that trip without putting a strain on our financial situation. Right, it'd be a shame to be uh, in the middle of February paying, still paying off uh, the, uh, the vacation we took in July. Exactly, that's when you should be planning the next vacation. Exactly. Uh, so it's all about setting goals though, but it's not as simple as just setting a goal. That goal has to be uh, smart, so specific, uh, measurable, Attainable, realistic, and timely. So, you've got to have uh, a specific goal. I want to set aside $2,000. It's got to be measurable. So, you've got to be able to keep track of what you're doing. Uh, It's got to be reasonable. Can I actually afford this? Mm -hmm. And similarly, realistic. You don't want to be setting a goal to set aside $200 each and every month when you don't have $200 in your budget, period. And finally, you do have to have a timeline. So, I'm going to plan for a vacation today, a year from now. Exactly. And there's that, there's that
1: most important of all words, plan. It really Because you have a goal that is part of a plan, uh, a, an action plan for you and your life and how you plan to conduct it. And back to the Angus Reid thing again. Three main reasons for the financial pickle so many Canadians find themselves in this weekend. Debts cost of living, and the cost of raising a family. You know, it's, it's. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say. If there are kids in the car, plug their ears. <laughs> but we're going to talk about back to school in a couple, in, in about six weeks. Oh, mom, really? Turn that off. But it's, it's
2: true. And every year, it just seems to get more and more costly. It never gets cheaper. That's exactly it. I remember when I was going to school, we could get all the supplies I needed for a couple hundred dollars at most. Uh, well, last year, a poll conducted uh, indicated that Canadians expected to spend almost double what was spent the year before. Yeah. So the number that people were averaging planning on spending last year was about $883 compared to half of that the previous year. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine the average person can come up with uh, $1,000 in September just out of thin air. Mm-hmm. You've got to do that a year in advance. Now, at the same time, though, uh, it's about planning and budgeting as to what you're actually going to spend on that back-to-school sale. Right? What does the child actually need versus, oh, they really want this. This is going to be nice for them to have, but do they need that? So wants and needs, uh, they're, they're two very, very separate lists, aren't they? That's certainly it. Uh, you know, Sometimes it's nice to have the coolest runners that are on the market or whatever might be out there, but... All you need is a pair of running shoes. Exactly.
1: That's yeah, right. what it boils down to. Cost of living is one of the top three items in terms of people's uh, debts, problems, and financial realities. We live in the most expensive city in Canada. You know, when I was when I was raised, it was always you, you, you wanted to spend no more than 25, and that morphed into 33% of your net pay on accommodation, whether you're paying for a mortgage or paying the rent plus condo fees and all those things, you should, back in the day, it, it might my life has already gone from 25 to 33, and now I regularly encounter people who are paying well
2: over 50% of their after-tax income just for roof over their heads. Uh, that's so very true, and especially for people that are on a fixed income, someone that's retired, for example, and they've just got their uh, old age security and CPP coming in. That adds up to maybe thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars 1400 a month right. at most, and I don't know of many places that have rent cheaper than $1,000 in the first place these days. Mm -hmm. Um, The cheapest rent that might be out there might be $700 or something along those lines. That doesn't leave a lot of money or everything else that somebody needs to spend money on, but all the more reason you would think Ilya to have a
1: plan. The the, the the less amount of money that's the cash flow that's running through your life, the greater the need to have an accountability for
2: every penny that that, that comes your way. That's it exactly. Uh, once uh, when clients come in, once they've filed a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy with us, uh, one of the things that they're required to do is attend two financial counseling sessions. The second one of these focuses on rebuilding credit and things like that once the proposal or bankruptcy is over with. But the first one is entirely focused on building the skills necessary uh, to plan, to budget, and to work through their finances so that hopefully they're never in that same boat again. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we talk people through is putting out a budge- put, putting together a budget of, okay, how much money do I have coming in each month? What are the fixed bills I've got to pay? And then what's left over for my expenses? Uh, these are you know the grocery shopping, sure. the eating out, uh, accommodation, uh, gas, mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. Uh, but then it's not enough to just put that budget together. You've actually have to track and see where the spending actually is. Uh, if you plan to spend three hundred dollars during the month in groceries, but you actually spent five hundred and didn't make any other adjustments along the way, well, you're in trouble. Where did that two hundred dollars come from? Sure, credit.
1: And you see people routinely pulling out the credit card at the supermarket. That's um, very,
2: very standard fare. And nobody bats an eyelash anymore when that happens. And sometimes we don't have a choice. I do get that. But the idea is that we try to plan and make sure that that's not necessary. Now, there's obviously a difference between pulling out the credit card and using it for convenience's sake. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, getting the point points yeah. and then paying it off at the end of the month versus relying on that credit card to live. That's what I was referring to, yeah. So let's talk about being,
1: uh, being in that predicament, you're being at the point where you, you've struggled, you, you, just, you just keep slipping further and further behind, no matter what your best efforts are, and, and you do tricks. You do things like skip the phone bill this month so you can pay the cable, and skip the cable next month so you can pay the hydro, and so on. We, we do these tricks to try to manage things, to keep the wolf away from the door, but eventually things begin to accumulate and build up to the point where the phone calls start coming from people who are, who can be really rude and nasty, and frankly, I think uh, demonstrate a lot of illegal tactics in some of these threatening phone calls and the letters with uh, official-looking legal-type stationery saying, you know, pay up or we'll toss you in jail or something to that, uh, that the equally uh, severe in terms of trying to frighten you into doing something, none of which is helpful, but all of which causes you incredible anxiety to the point where you don't want to open your mail and you don't want to take any more phone calls. Let everything go to voicemail. If I know the person, I'll call them back. Otherwise, I don't answer my phone. And you talk to people like this
2: every day of the week. That's exactly it. When someone's in that situation, the best choice that somebody can make is picking up the phone, giving us a call, at the office. Our phone number, by the way, is 604-588-4275, or visiting us on our website at deadsolutions.bdo.ca, is coming to talk to a licensed insolvency trustee, whether it's at BDO or elsewhere. uh, A licensed insolvency trustee is able to sit down with you and work through a free consultation, where we're coming up with the best possible path forward to deal with the problems that you might be having. Mm in that meeting, we're going to listen to you. We're going to understand your situation. We're not going to be judgmental.
1: And that's but, what a lot of people are afraid I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's that's one big reason a lot of people don't call a professional like yourself in the debt solution business, because they're afraid of a lecture. And, and, you know, they know that this is, you know, you don't get into this kind of situation without being a little messed up on your own financial affairs. It just, it happens. And so the last thing, you know, what kind, of, what kind of pickle, to use that weird word again, you're in. You don't need some professional in a big office telling you what a dumbhead you are and giving you a lecture on what you should have done and you should have done. And geez, what were you thinking? You know, that's why a lot of people don't bother because that's even more anxiety in their lives. It's not
2: a positive th- experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I get people coming in and saying, oh, I must be the worst person you've ever seen. This must be the worst situation. No, the reality is we've seen everything under the sun. Sure. People are in this boat for a variety of different reasons. Mm-hmm. And you've sort of got to put that aside and come up with a solution to move forward. Uh, and then once we're done talking... I've had so many people just say, "I'm so glad I picked up that phone mm-hmm. because now I've got a way forward. I know what's going to happen. I, you know, it, it, the stress is off my shoulders."
1: Right. Uh, two questions. Uh, one, can you give me that phone number again, please? Uh, that phone number again is six zero four five eight eight four two seven five. Forty two seventy five. And what is the fee for that initial? I got, I got to uh, unburden myself to a professional, it's, it's, it's killing me, meeting?
2: Good question. That consultation is absolutely free. Uh, you don't pay a penny until there's an actual filing. And even then, you're not actually paying a fee directly to the trustee. Uh, let's say, for the sake of argument, someone has filed a proposal where they're paying $200 a month, like mm-hmm. I said earlier. Yeah. Our fees are deducted from that $200 or from that total proposal fund. Oh, I see. And now every licensed insolvency trustee is very heavily regulated by the superintendent of bankruptcy. And basically, the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act, which is the laws under which we work, says exactly what percentage of fees we're allowed to take. It's completely regulated. It's tariff-based. What that means is no trustee is going to charge you a fee for putting things together or any additional fees that come up during the course of the filing. There's no hidden surprises. Okay. Uh, it's all very, very controlled from that perspective,
1: okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit more about the the meeting the uh, the the opportunity to sit down and 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 review and and it, this happens and uh, be, when you get into this kind of downward spiral with so much harassment coming at you from so many different directions, you start to feel like you're the only human being on the planet that, that is in this kind of desperate situation. I'm the only person that this is this is happening to. This is just so awful. This couldn't possibly be happening to anybody else.
2: And, of course, that's just wrong. That's exactly it. When someone comes in, we the first thing I say is, okay, well, tell me your story. And I sit there and listen, uh, get all the facts, get all the information, and then we say, okay, let's walk you through your options. Those options are informal sometimes, whether it's paying in full, if there is an actual ability to do that. Right. It's the most direct route, isn't it? it, When there's a lot of equity in someone's home, that might be the case. It might be a matter of refinancing that mortgage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it might be something more formal, which is a bankruptcy or a proposal, which are the things that only a licensed insolvency trustee can do. Okay. Uh, We'll talk through what a bankruptcy is. Uh, Now, a lot of people say, okay, well, my God, I'm going to lose everything. Yes. Well, no, that's completely not the case.
1: But that's the way you're led to believe by the people who want their money. That's exactly it. And their agents who are in these collection companies are in for a
2: piece of the action. So they're as aggressive as they are because they want to get paid too. That's exactly it. And the reality is that each province has a list of assets that are protected or exempt from seizure. Uh, That includes clothing in its entirety, household furniture, uh, worth up to $4,000, but who in their home actually has uh, furniture that's worth more than 4000 if they sold it at a garage sale. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, a vehicle worth up to $5,000 with a couple of exceptions. Now, that's $5,000 worth of equity. So that's whatever the vehicle's worth, less the loan that might be outstanding on it. Okay. And, and again, in most cases, what we own our cars is pretty close to what uh, it's worth. Uh, anything medical-related, pension plans, uh, RSPs that were contributed over a year ago, those are all protected. So you're not going to lose any of those. Uh, now there is a question. And, and 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 what about those
1: aggressive collection companies and agents who are writing you nasty letters and making even meaner phone calls and so on. Once you uh, sit down with a professional like yourself at BDO first call, does that go away?
2: Do you have the power to shut those clowns up? Yes, we do. So, at the consultation stage, not yet. But once we've put the paperwork together, once we've filed a proposal or a bankruptcy, uh, as soon as that thing goes in, uh, there's what's called a state of proceedings that kicks in. What that means is the creditors are not allowed to call you. They're not allowed to contact you in any way or demand payment. And it might take a little bit of time to get the message across. Sure. But in that scenario, we just say, pick up the phone, tell them that you filed, and tell them to call the trustee. At that point, they've got no excuse. They can't keep calling you. And if they do, well, then they're breaking consumer laws in uh, Canada. Interesting
1: stuff. Ilya, I'm almost out of time. I want to remind our listeners that uh, they can get a hold of you uh, through the website. Probably the best way to do it, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Is uh, 604-588-4275
2: your direct line? Uh, That's our office line uh, for the Lower Mainland. Okay. So, please do call. We're open at uh, 830 on Monday morning, and we're more than happy to answer any questions. And you'll be just all fresh and back from a week's holidays
1: and ready to go exactly. first thing Monday morning, won't you? So remember this number again, friends, 604-588-4275. Or you can also find that, of course, on the website at debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Very reassuring conversation again, Ilya Margulis. Thanks for coming back. It's good to talk to you, and we'll, we'll do this again. Glad to be here. Thank you very much. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Ilya Margulis from BDO First Call Debt Solutions for another very informative visit. And uh, remember the website. It's debtsolutions.bdo.ca. Next hour after the news, John Carlson from 1% Realty returns with a fresh Vancouver market real estate update. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time, our producer Ben Dooley looks at the closure of swimming at two very popular parks and why.
0: Thanks, Sterling. There's a crappy situation shaping up at a pair of popular swimming spots in the Lower Mainland as two Metro Vancouver beaches have been closed due to high levels of E. coli bacteria. Trout Lake in Vancouver and Burnaby's Barnett Marine Park have both exceeded bacteria levels that are considered safe for the public. Vancouver Coastal Health spokesperson Tiffany Aiken said the closure of Trout Lake is a precaution. But the possibility of gastrointestinal illness, or in extreme cases, respiratory illness, is a reality. For people who have been possibly exposed to contaminated water, they should rinse off really well using soap and clean water. If you do start to feel sick, though, you should seek medical attention. Aiken said officials with Vancouver Coastal Health are continuing to monitor Trilt Lake and that they will issue a public notification when the beach reopens. In Burnaby, samples determined the water at the Barnett Marine Park, has twice the amount of bacteria that Fraser Health deems safe. Spokesperson Timothy Millard said the beach has been closed since last week, but that such closures are not uncommon. Millard said the bacteria levels have been slowly subsiding and that the beach is expected to reopen in the coming weeks. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley noted.
1: Thanks, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. Ford is recalling nearly 550,000 vehicles in North America, including almost 37,000 here in Canada, over fears the vehicles may roll away unexpectedly. Ford issued the recall on Wednesday on selected 2013 through 16 Fusion and 2013 and 14 Escape models to replace defective shifter cable bushings that allow drivers to place the car in park, even though the transmission might still be in another gear. Ford said dealers would replace the shifter cable bushing at no cost and is advising owners to use the vehicle's parking brake. Quote, if the parking brake is not applied, a degraded shifter cable bushing that detaches from the transmission could result in unintended vehicle movement, increasing the risk of injury or crash. Close quote, said Ford, and also went on to say they're not aware of any accidents or injuries as a result of a defective auto part. You may, you rock and rollers may be getting older, but you're still shelling out big bucks for your favorite acts. In fact, of America's top 50 earning musical artists last year, 29 are considered heritage artists. That's Billboard's term for acts who have released a minimum of 10 albums or been active for at least 20 years. Billboard is the trade mag which released its money makers list yesterday, designated U2 as the top earner. This is all for 2017, by the way. Uh, the top earner for 2017, based on U.S. concert grosses, plus royalties from domestic sales, streaming, and publishing. U2, uh, a total of $54.4 million last year, $52 million of which came from its Joshua Tree 30th anniversary tour, which did stop in Vancouver. Touring proved the top income producer for almost all 50 acts whose total income was $961 million. Only two artists made the list without hitting the road. Drake, at number 37, by collecting the most streaming royalties, 8.6 million bucks, At Taylor Swift, number 48, by selling the most albums, and made $5 million. There were surprises. Metallica nailed the number three spot, and by genre, rock continued to dominate, taking 24 of the top 50 spots, versus nine for pop, nine for country, and eight for R&B and hip-hop. On this beautiful July weekend. Here are a few things going on around our city. The Surrey Fusion Festival at Holland Park featuring food and top-notch entertainment today and tomorrow. Slide the City is on today and tomorrow on Lower Lonsdale and North Van with a thousand feet of soaking wet fun. And downtown on the North Plaza of the Art Gallery, it's the fifth annual Thai Festival with everything from food to fashion to kickboxing to arts and crafts and much more today and tomorrow. And this one is free. And that is our first hour for today we'll break for the news and when we return john carlson will join us with lots more information on vancouver real estate and the one percent realty story stay with us this is vancouver consumer on cknw
0: the proceeding was a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of cknw